0: It's great to see you. It's good to be here. And it's great to be a part of this church. This is a great family to be a part of. And and being a part of family, we often need to think about each other and plan good things for each other and prepare for each other others, uh, sp- specifically, I think, you know, for people's birthdays. And I've talked about birthdays in the past and how they're, they're super important to me and they're super important to our family. And um, so this past April, my son turns seven years old. And he turns seven on the opening day of t- Turkey season. And so I thought, man, this is this is poetic. You know, this is, would be a really poetic thing. You know, he's turning seven. I'll take him out on his first turkey hunt. He'll get his turkey. You know, it'll be really cool. And it'll be like this, this big experience, you know. It'd be something you know that I would be proud of. And so I talked to a friend of mine who's like the expert turkey guy. <laughs> and he has this this perfect spot to go and there's this bed and breakfast that that we're going to be staying at that's she- just for turkey hunters. It's like, it's the it's like the perfect situation. Everyone who, who hunts is like, yeah, this is amazing. And like, He's seven, it's his birthday. And so so going up to his birthday, I talk about it a lot. Like, hey, sign, it's time for your you know, your turkey hunt's coming up, man. He's like, Yeah, I know. I'm like, yeah, it's gonna be awesome. He's like, Yeah, I know, it'll be fine. You know, I'm like, Yeah, we're gonna practice, aren't we? Yeah, we'll practice. You know, it's like this whole thing. And I'm like, I'm like trying to get him excited about it, you know, and and I I'm, I'm putting my excitement on on him, and it, it, you know, we're doing this a lot. Like the turkey hunt's coming up, man, and yeah, no, you know, turkey, hunt, and and we're planning and we're preparing and, and we're super excited. And his his birthday's coming up, and it finally gets here, and it's seven o'clock in the evening, and and it's time to go to our turkey place. And the turkey place is about four and a half hours from home, and so we hop in the truck and we. Drive um, to this bed and breakfast. Well, it, it didn't actually turn out to be only four and a half. It turned out to be like like five or six or seven hours, and it's 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 two a.m. and we pull in, and, and like he's just like, uh you know, like it's it's horrible, you know, and like it's terrible. And so anyway, to go t- turkey hunt, you get up early, right? So the the friend, he's kind of actually here right now, you know, so I'm kind of like telling, you, like, you remember this, you know, and, and, and so, so, so I was like, you know, I think it would be a good, good idea to get up around f- f- four in the morning. I'm like, dude, it's two, you know, he's seven, you know, this is bad news, you know, and he's like, well, you know, and I'm like, how about five, and he's like, five's cool, let's have five, and, and so, so anyway, we all go to bed, and and, and then um, then five o'clock, you know, eh, 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 I'm like, oh my gosh. And I'm like, Zion, it's time to get up. And he starts crying. Right? Oh, you know, I'm tired. You know, I'm like, oh man, I'm, I'm bad. You know, it's one of those deals. And he has these big bags under his thighs. And, and I'm just like, and, and I'm like, but it'll be cool. It's going to be a good experience. We're going to go out. And we're going to get a turkey. And he's seven. You know, and it's this whole thing. So, so we breakfast, and we go out there, and there are turkey they're out there and they're gobbling and it's it's really cool it's really exciting we're going to go after him and he's just like going like this you know it's like come on Zion come on there's turkey right over there he's like all right quiet you know it's like he is so not into it and so after about four or five hours it came to this spot I'm like man he just he's not into this and and then he began saying, "Dad, I just want to go home." And and son's dad, you know, he's trying to create the birthday experience, you know. And the reality is, is you blew it, you know, you blew it. And in that moment, I'm like trying to say, "No, we didn't blow it. We just didn't get our turkey yet," you know. And. So so we push him a little more. And he's like, Dad, I just want to go home and play Pokemon, you know? And, like, Pokemon is, like, this Japanese car. It's the, it's the opposite of hunting, you know? It's like, it's, like, the opposite. And I'm like, dude, you're seven, you know, turkey, you know? And he's just, like, and, and, and it just came to this spot, spot that it was kind of like Zion was looking up at me. And it's like, just see my heart. Okay, because the truth is, in, in this whole experience, I was trying to create an experience that I wanted. It was for me as a father that I could be proud of and talk about. It was all about the heart that I had, but I totally bypassed his heart. A, a bunch of us in the relationships that we have, we think our our hearts are a Identical and the things that I want, and the things that are, are important to me, are also important to you, aren't they? Right? Aren't they the same thing? And we're constantly encouraging people to want and be excited about the same things that we are. But they're not. Right? <laughs> they're not. And and a bunch of the Relational trauma and stress and arguments and and hardships and, and a bunch of the things, the obstacles that come up in our everyday relationships happen because we're not seeing other people's hearts. We simply see our own heart and portray that on others. We are in a sermon series at this point on relationships, and it's titled, Can You Relate? Can you relate? And if, if you are human, if you're a person, if you have a heartbeat and you interact with other people, you can relate. Like, relationships are hard because everyone is not just like you. Everyone is not just like you. And so in this sermon series, it just really isn't being about, you know, being a fantastic husband or, or being a good wife or being a good d- dad or, or being a good m- um, or a son, or a best friend, or a or roommate. It's, not, it's actually about all those things. It's about, you know, how do we have fantastic relationships? And tonight's topic is, is all about the heart. It's all about, about seeing the hearts of others and allow others to see into your own heart. It's about seeing into the hearts of others and allowing other people to see into your own heart. So I was... Talking to my sister as I was coming over here t- t- today, she often will just, she'll, she'll call me at horrible times. And so I'm coming over here, and I'm trying to get in this zone, you know, to be up in front of a lot of people. It's terrifying. And so I'm, and then she calls me. I was like, ugh. You know, I'm like, hey, what's up? You know, she's like, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm driving over to the church. I'm going to give a sermon tonight. And she says, hey, do I ever... Po- pop up kind of in your your sermons? And I said, no, you don't. You haven't ever, actually. And it, it got me thinking. And then she asked me, why not? And I was totally honest. And I was like, because you and I don't have any good stories. <laughs> and then, you know, I'm honest. And then she goes, why not? And then this was beautiful because it really challenged me. And I said, because you and I don't open our hearts to each other. Because there's this direct correlation, I believe, between good stories in a big life and things you can be proud of and, and fulfillment and depth that we all want to have and opening our hearts to each other. And that challenged me because the Reality is, is we all want to open our hearts, but it's terrifying. It's terrifying to open our hearts, but it seems to be important to Paul. So open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 6.11. Um, our, our passage that we're going to be talking about today uh, comes from the Apostle Paul. And Paul is kind of spunky in this passage. I love it. His attitude's coming out, um, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to heave it upon you right now, and here we go. So Paul is talking to the Corinthians. He says this, we have speak, spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affections from you, but you are withholding yours from us, As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children. Open wide your hearts also. Open wide your hearts also. To me, to me, to me. Paul in this passage is talking about one of my biggest fears and possibly one of your biggest fears too as as pertaining towards opening up our hearts. It is the idea of if I open my heart to you, are you going to open up your heart to me? You know, if, if, if I'm vulnerable to you, if I share with you, if I'm, if I'm honest to you, what are you going to do with that? And are you going to reciprocate? Because if you don't, it's just awkward, you know? It's just really awkward if, here's the guy, you know, who's like, blah, and then the other person's like, uh, oh, Okay. And that's what's happening here. Like like Paul is saying, man, we have been so honest and open and pouring out and, and, and giving you the goods, but you have not reciprocated. Why not? And there's, there, there's pain here. There's, there's pain in the tone of this passage. I'm talking as plainly and clearly as I can. I'm not beating around the bush. I've, I've poured my heart out to you. Why aren't you doing the same to me? This, I think, is one of our biggest fears. Because whenever we talk about heart or the things of the heart, it just it isn't just, I'm going to be honest. You know, I'm just going to be honest about how I feel about things. But the heart is this, this thing, especially in Hebraic theology, it isn't here, it's more of here and here, it's um, Hebrew people see the, the heart as being something very cognitive, but also very it's, it's the heart center of your feelings. It's, it's the things you know and you understand, and it's the things you believe and you love, and it's the things you're proud of and the things you're embarrassed of. It's, it's the very thing that causes you to be you, is your heart. So when you talk about heart, it's, it's the essence of what you are, it's the essence of what you are, and the essence of what you are, and the essence of what I am, it seems to be what we are all dying to talk about, but pretend it's not. You know, I don't want to talk about those things with anybody, but I really, really want to, you know? It's the, the, the fact that a, b- a bunch of us have, have, have super shallow relationships, but crave deep ones, the first time I saw the film Avatar, I cried. I cried a lot during Avatar for some reason. I don't know why. It's not that that type of a crying film, um, but there was this part that that really like clenched my heart. It was you know in the simple vocabulary of the you have these these two characters saying if you haven't seen Avatar, I'm sorry, I don't have time to talk about it. There are these these two <laughs> characters you know. that they come to the spot that they say, I see you. And, And the term, I see you, it was all encompassing this, I see into your heart, and I love you. I see into your heart, I see the good and the bad and the challenging and what you're proud of and what you're not proud of. I see all this stuff. I see you, and I love you. And, and that part is like, oh my gosh. And like I'm like sobbing and like and then like I was like, I want that so bad. And I was sitting by my wife, you know, and it was like, oh, you know, like we gotta work on this. Because it Truth is, is that it is so hard to open up to people you're close to or to open your heart to people you're close to because it just feels weird. And the idea of being seen and I see you and I see all of you and I accept that and I want to explore that and be in that. Do you see me and do I see you and do we take the time to want to get into there? And this is the catalyst of beautiful, good relationships, is the reality that we are able to be seen and we're able to see into others. This is what we all crave in our relationships. It's to be seen. That's what the blind man wanted. This past week, Pastor Allen told the story of the blind man and how he, he called out to Jesus, you know, son of God, have mercy on me, you know, and, and Jesus and the entourage comes by, and everyone's ignoring the blind man, and the blind man continues to call out, Jesus, son of God, Jesus, son of God, you know, and the blind man calls out, <laughs> and, and, and then Jesus hears the blind man and he responds. And Pastor Allen talked about how Jesus opened his heart up to the blind man. And it was beautiful. It was this idea of taking the time, taking the time to turn our hearts to those who are suffering. But what about those who are suffering? Because, you know, the, the idea of being just like Jesus is complex to me because I am not just like Jesus. I am more kind of like the blind man. And so I began to think about really, you know, how the blind man had to open up his heart to Jesus. And in this story, really, this guy, this this blind man who cannot see, he is in the same spot day after day, week after week, year after year, and the entourage of Christ knows exactly who he is. He's the blind man, and so, as Jesus comes by, it takes a huge amount of courage. It takes a huge amount of courage to, to call out, Have mercy on me. Notice he doesn't ask Christ to heal him. He calls out to Jesus. He opens his heart to Jesus, pretty much proclaiming, I am broken. I am a broken man hear me? Do you see me? In all this hustle and bustle of everything that's going around, do you see me? I see you. The blind man saw Jesus. And there's something really cool, poetic, and beautiful about the reality that the blind man saw Jesus. The blind man saw Jesus. Do you see me? I see you. And Jesus perhaps said in his turning, I see you. And then he does all of his healing things and he allows the blind man's eyes to be open to truly physically see into Christ. And there's a sense, Interaction, this very poetic interaction that takes place whenever the blind man is vulnerable and courageous and puts himself out there and just owning the fact that he is broken, he is blind, he cannot see, he is not a contributor to society. You know, I do not have what it takes. Do you see me? I see you. And Jesus responds, and he has a habit of that. Whenever you you see Jesus, he always responds. And it's a beautiful, beautiful picture. In this story of Jesus and the blind man, there are two two or th- three concepts of seeing hearts. First of all, the blind man sees the heart of Christ. He knows there's healing at hand, and he knows there's grace and mercy at hand, and he calls out. Second of all, Jesus sees the heart of the blind man, right? And and he knows healing is at hand, and grace is at hand, and faith is at hand, and freedom is at hand. And then everyone else saw what they thought had been the heart of the blind man as just simply being the blind man. It's kind of like whenever I took my son on the turkey hunt, right? I thought I saw his heart, but I didn't actually see his heart. We and the disciples and the entourage have habits of perceiving people's hearts that aren't actually their hearts. It's this projection of who we think they are. It's like putting a heart in a cage and saying, this is who you are, and this is how you think, and this is how you are. Or there are people like Jesus who are setting people free by actually seeing their hearts. There are two typical responses to heart interaction. It's either putting a heart in a cage or setting it free. It's either putting a heart in a cage or setting it free. On the turkey hunt, I put my son's heart in a cage and said, this is who you are. There's this poem that I totally love. It's by this guy whose name is Hafiz. Hafiz. And uh, he talks about this idea of building cages and setting them free. Check this out. A small person builds cages for everyone he knows. While the sage who has to duck his head whenever the... the moon hangs low, keeps dropping keys everywhere for all the crazy prisoners. I'm going to read it again, because you didn't catch that. <laughs> the small person builds cages for everyone he knows. While well, the sage, who has to duck his head when the moon is low, keeps dropping keys all over for the beautiful, crazy prisoners. You see, we are either in the business of putting hearts in cages or dropping keys. And we want to be people, we want to be people who are dropping keys to set hearts free. We are at war, right? We are at war with hearts that are held hostage, hearts that are in cages, hearts that are like, here's who I can only be, and... We, just like Christ, want to toss keys on the ground everywhere saying, freedom is at hand. I want to see your heart and set it free. And this is exactly what Christ did to the blind man. You see, everyone around him thought they knew him. They thought they knew his story. thought they knew the things he could contribute, the things that he was possible of. Thought they had heard his begging long enough. And they put his heart in a cage and said, it's time to move on. But Jesus took a key and set his heart free. And he does that. And That's what he does best. And the question is for us, and the question is for his church, is what do you do whenever Jesus drops you a key? What do you do with the keys that Christ has given your own heart? What do you do with the keys that Christ has given you? Because a bunch of us just put it in our pocket. A bunch of us just put the keys to an open heart, a free heart, a big experience a full new life. We, we take it and we put it back in our pocket because we are afraid of a heart set free because people could hurt that thing. What do we do with the keys that Jesus drops? A bunch of us, I believe, things that an only, only a heart that is fantastic, a heart that is put together, a heart that beats super well, and a heart that understands who it is, is the only thing that can bring value to anyone. But that is not true. I think a bunch of us believe that, that if we are going to open up to someone in, in a relationship, to be, be a good friend, to be a good spouse, to be a good, good son or a good daughter, the things that we have to offer have to be awesome. They have to be things that are going to benefit the other people. In fact, in the gospel idea and the idea of the kingdom, the opposite is true. The opposite is true. No one wants to hear how awesome you are because you're not, right? No one wants to hear about how awesome you are. People are open to hearing your heart of brokenness. And and the truth is, is whenever you're broken, that means you have a lot to offer. I have found that whenever I tell stories up here that are awesome, that are like some like phenomenal story, it actually separates people and I. It separates. People don't want to hear how awesome I am. But as soon as I talk about things that I'm horrible at, right, is the things I screw up on, you know, the things I'm not great at, all of you are like, yeah, yeah, preach it. You know, it's like, I've been there too. Yeah, we're in this together. It's it's people don't want to hear how awesome you are. It's give me your heart. The, because the things that we want to be, be seen and to see in the others is the reality that we are broken. and And we don't have it all figured out. And yeah, this is hard. And then good things begin to happen. And relationships begin to grow. It is a facade that you only are valuable when you're put together because the opposite is true. The opposite is always true. Give us your brokenness. Give us your best stuff because that's where God does his best stuff. God does good things with broken hearts because God knows the entirety of a heart. There is something really, really beautiful about the idea and the concept that Jesus knows everything that happened before is happening and is going to happen. There's this beauty in this idea of the seeing heart of who you are. And there's this idea in the heart as that... We want to be seen and to be accepted and to be loved as people. And this is a beautiful thing, and it's a challenging thing. We often will open up our hearts and see into the hearts of of others as long as they don't hurt us. As long as you don't hurt me, I will open my heart to you. As long as you don't take advantage of me, I will show you who I am. But they are going to hurt you. I am going to hurt you. I am going to be hurt. I am going to not be perfect. These things are going to happen. And so we already know this. So we guard ourselves because we often get hurt, taken advantage of time and time and time again. But this isn't what Christian seeing is. This isn't what Christian seeing is, or this is what Christian grace is. Christian grace and Christian seeing is being able to see into the hearts of people and say, I see you and I know and I love you. And there's something in that like, I know, I know you're going to hurt me, and I know you're going to disappoint me. I know. And I love you. So I've been thinking about that a lot. Like a lot, a lot. Especially as, um, as being a parent. And, and how am I going to parent you know, these kids I have growing up? Because you know, as I was growing up, the thing I didn't want to do ever is disappoint me. My parents. I don't want to disappoint my parents in anything, you know. And so I always try to be perfect. And and the reality is, is that as kids, that's going to happen, and it's okay. And I want to somehow, you know, tell the kids I have. I know you. I see you. You are going to blow it, and I love you. But how do I portray that in in a bigger way, so that whenever they blow it, it's a divine opportunity of like. God is here, and this is holy ground. So I b- bought a whole bunch of these time capsules. I bought these time capsules off the internet. They're like this big. And so for each time capsule, I got, I typed out something that I believe that that either Zion or Yara is possible of doing. You know, like how they could possibly blow it, like big time in their... In, in their teens or in their 20s or even their 30s. I even have a couple of them in their 40s. And so I, I typed them out. And I, I, I just start out by saying, hey, I love you so much. And, and here's who you are today. And here's the thing you're doing. And here's a picture of you. Yada, yada, yada. But if, if you are opening this time capsule, you have really messed up. You have... Up um, by doing this, this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and this blah, 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 and it's horrible. And your heart is broken, and I know it. And then, and the, then I say, I know exactly how you feel because here's something that I did that's very similar. So I open my heart to them and say, here's, here's a story of something that I did that I will never tell you guys, you know? Like, you gotta go in the time capsule to find this, but if you do, if you have a broken heart, if you have opened up your heart, I will open my heart up to you, and we're in this together, and I love you. I love you, I love you, I love you, then I type like a poem or something in there, and it's cool, and I, I ball it up, and I I put it in a time capsule, and then, like, you know, whenever I go backpacking or hiking or something, and I come to the end, I dig a hole, and I throw it in the hole, bury it, and I get the GPS coordinates of that time capsule, and so, but then I have this whole book of these GPS coordinates of the time capsules and the topic of the time capsule. So they're all prepared for my kids for when they grow up. And, and, and so, so whenever, you know, something something happens and, and they're like, man, I got dumped for the first time and my heart is broken. It's like, here's a time capsule. You gotta go take it. It's a 20-hour hike, but it's worth it. You know? It's like, I see you, and but but the goal of it, the goal of it is not for whenever it happens, you know, for me to say, hey, you know, I'm sorry it happened. I totally love you. You know, God's grace is upon you. That's awesome. But the thing I really wanted to do is somehow portray. I knew you. This would happen 20 years ago. I knew it. I saw it. I loved you then. I know you will do these things. I know you'll disappoint me. I love you. I've, you. And that, that's exactly what Christ does. That's exactly what Christ does. You know, he came, like he knew us. He, he knew you would not be good people. Do you know what I mean? He knew that. You're not, you're not perfect. He knew that you would drop the ball. And it's good. This is exactly what Christ does. Here is this this quote from a book. There's this brilliant, brilliant person. Her name is Barbara Brown Taylor. And she writes this. Whenever Jesus holds up the cup and offers what is in it as a fluid of forgiveness, he is not talking to to. People with a short list of minor sins. He is talking to people who will turn him in, who will scatter to the four winds at the first sign of trouble, and who will swear they never knew him. He is talking to people who have should who should have been the, his best friends on the earth, who would actually turn out to not have a loyal bone in their. Bodies, and he is forgiving them ahead of time, as sure if, as sure as if he had said, "I know who you are, I see you, I know that you will not be innocent of the blood that is in this cup, but I will not let that come between us." <laughs> I know who you are, I see you, and I know you will not be innocent of the blood in this cup, but I will not let that come between us. Let my heart be your heart through the blood of this covenant. That is beautiful. That is freedom. There are keys being dropped everywhere. Because whenever Jesus came, he did not come hoping that you guys would be perfect, hoping that, that whoever would come into his church would then be flawless. He knew. He knew that his church would go everywhere and be broken and have doubts. He knew. But he doesn't want that to come between us. He knew whenever he opened his heart and gave his heart that that, that we would be awesome at dropping it. I am awesome at dropping the heart of Christ. I, that's all I got to say. Uh, I, I, that's what we do. As people, we drop the heart of Christ, and he knew it. He's like, Here, take it. And then you drop it, and he's like, All right, here you go again. You know, just do it. I know. And it's beautiful. What would it be like for us to have the same heart posture as Christ had? What would it be like to have the same heart posture of Christ and to not be afraid of the open door to the cage that our hearts have been in? What would it be like to open our hearts towards people and stop being afraid? What would it be like to have fantastic relationships with people? What would it be like to give people the freedom to drop your heart? What would it be like? It would be beautiful and good. And this is why the Apostle Paul is all riled up in this passage. Because to him, he has offered the biggest, most beautiful gift that anyone could offer. is his heart. His heart, you know? He says... I have offered my heart completely to you. I've not held anything back. I gave it all to you, and you have not. And then he even has the terminology of, it's a fair exchange. It's a fair exchange. I open up to you. You open up to me. This is what the gospel and the church does. Christ gave his heart. Can I have yours? There even is, there's this phrase in the Middle East that whenever people say hello or goodbye, it's the same term of the the spiritual heart in me honors the spiritual heart in you. That this is the precursor to any conversation at all is our spiritual hearts are going to be engaged and the spiritual heart in me honors and bows down to the spiritual heart in you. Let my heart be your heart. That's what Christ says. There is a direct correlation between a big life and an open heart, and a small, tiny life and a closed heart. It's true. There is a direct correlation between a big life, a fruitful life, and an open heart, and a small, tiny life, and a closed heart. Just like I told my sister coming up here, we don't have any good stories. We don't have a big life together because we have never opened our hearts. There's a paraphrase of the Corinthians passage that I think is beautiful and talks about this. It's the same passage, but told a bit differently. Check this out. Dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide, open, spacious life. We did not fence you in. The smallness that you feel comes from within you. Your lives are not small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly and as I 'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your hearts and live openly and expansively. There's this direct correlation between an open heart and a big. Life, But bunches of us feel fenced in, caged in, and there are keys that have been dropped all around us. So the turkey hunt came to an end pretty early. We came, like, really early. It was like, we were out there for four hours and we came to this spot like, man, this is not hacking it. And so... So we wanted to affirm his heart, and I wanted to affirm his heart. And so we went home, and uh, we bought Pokemon cards. And and there's a comic book store here in town that has Pokemon tournaments on Thursday nights. And so Zion and I began going to these Pokemon tournaments. And the first time I go, I'm... Have you ever been in a spot that you're like, I really don't belong here? It was like, I really don't belong here. And I was feeling, I was scared and I was nervous and I I stuck out like a sore thumb. but, but, But I'm here for my boy. Do you know what I mean? I'm here for my boy. And so we're in this comic book store. There's this Pokemon convention tournament thing going on. And I told the head guy there, I'm like, I don't know anything about Pokemon. I'm terrified to be here. I do not fit in. I'm afraid. And I said all these things. Because this is all I got. Like, here's my heart. Here's why I'm here. I'm not here to pick on you. You know? And, and it's like, I'm afraid to be here. And he got this big smile and he said, I'm going to teach you everything. And so, so over some time. We, we're going every Thursday night. And this guy was just like so pumped to teach me everything Pokemon. And I'm like, all right, man, you know, it's cool. And I'm like, I'm trying to firm his heart, you know. And and the whole time, my son is all about this, you know. And he's just like, yeah, Pokemon. And so over the summer, we're at this Pokemon tournament. And, and uh, I've gotten pretty good, um, just to be honest. And, uh, and there came this point that the guy in charge had to go. He got this phone call, and he's like, hey, I gotta go. He looks around the room and he says, hey, KJ, you're in charge of the tournament. You know this stuff as much as I do. And in the context, I was really proud. I was like, he picked me, like, he called on me, like, the Pokemon guy, you know, picked me to be in charge of his tournament, and and he smiled, like, he saw my heart, and then I turned to Zion, and he was beaming. He was beaming, and that was what I was trying to do, and that was the smile I was trying to go for, and that was the birthday thing I really wanted to have during that turkey hunt. But it happened at the nerd store. (laughs) And at that point, that place, that comic book store, became holy ground. And it's beautiful and good, and keys were dropped and that's my prayer for you. May you see the hearts of your friends and your family and anyone that you run into, and may you be constantly be dropping keys. please pray with me, oh God we we praise you and we thank you that you are a God of freedom and that you are a God who looks into our soul and says I see you God we thank you that you are in the business of dropping keys help us to be brave to use them God give us courage God put our broken hearts back together God, help us forgive those who have hurt our hearts and caused us fear from exposing it to others. God, breathe into us. Hold our hearts gently. Show us your love. Show us your wide, open, spacious dream for us. God, pour yourself out upon us because that's what you do. And during this time, there are people that, that are happy to pray f- for you over, uh, they, technically, they're not there yet, but I will go there. Um, there are people over here and over here. I'll be two places at once, and it'll be cool. Um, there are, there are p- people beside you who are happy to pray for you, because this is the church and during this time ask God to speak to you to be close to you and to to open the possible cages that your heart has been in and to forgive you for putting others hearts into cages. God may we be people who have keys for everyone pour yourself out here